Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a 7 West Media podcast. There is nothing more terrifying than walking into a birthing suite and knowing that in a relatively short time, life as you know it is going to be entirely different. This week, we're talking about what to expect when you are expecting. I'm Alex Cullen, and welcome to Being Dad. Having a baby, or in my case, two babies, has to be one of the most life-changing experiences a man can go through. It is intense, and that's putting it lightly. Obviously, our partners experience it in a more hands-on way, of course. I mean, it's happening to them, right? But they have the hormones and the mental preparedness and perhaps toughness that we as blokes simply don't have. Most dads go into this really challenging experience woefully underprepared. I know I did. This week, I'm talking to top midwife Donovan Jones about how to prepare for the shock of childbirth and what to do when baby or babies are imminent. But first, I spoke to a mate by the name of Dan Reed about our experiences of childbirth as we watched our partners give birth to twins. And we both agreed that we felt a little like fish out of water when we heard we were expecting twins. It was quite the shock, let me tell you. Now, Dan is from the, well, out near the New South Wales town of Tamora and now works and lives in Sydney with his wife, Angela. He's a farmer's son, like me, and I met him through our twins class at the Royal Hospital for Women in Randwick, Sydney. It's a great story. He's got a pretty intense one, too. Here's Dan. So tell me what were you, what you were doing in the lead up to the pregnancy. Were you, were you learning and were you trying to, you know, get, get, a, get your head around what was about to happen? Yeah. Sorry, in the lead up to the, the birth. Yeah, yeah, the birth. Yeah, so we were, um, yeah, because we were put on, it was obviously a bit of a shock, but then we, Ange's, you know, she's ready to have kids, obviously. Um, mm. Like, all right, this is a, you know, this is a real blessing and it's a, um, so we'll throw ourselves right into it, but then we were just like, oh, because people had told us twins are a bit of a, they're a bit of a change, they're a bit of a different beast, and because they're going to be your first, maybe you know, read up on a few books. And so Ange went out and you know bought probably every book she could and started <laughs> um, hooking into that as uh-huh. as is her want. And um, but then we, um, yeah, she went to a mothers group in um, or like an. I don't know, not a mother's group, but expectant mother's group or yeah. whatever. And, um, yeah, they said there was a twin-specific class at, in, in the, um, at the Royal Women's and Babies. And, yeah, so we, we signed up for that. And I was a bit like, it was, Angel's like, goes for six weeks, you know, four hours a night. And I was mm-hmm. like, geez, come on. Like, this is, you know, this seems like a bit of overkill. Like, <laughs> we're not the first person. But it, and it, it was a – and so I was sort of – she didn't drag me kicking and screaming, but I did, wasn't – you know, I've got enough friends. I don't need to make any new friends. Mm. So I didn't really feel that comfortable with going to it. But then it was great. Like, our group was just fantastic people. The lady who ran it, as you know. Carmel. Uh, Carmel was amazing. And – 
um, it was just it was that was the best thing just to give us a, a real insight into sort of what we need to do beforehand, during, after. Yeah, go, yeah. go to the classes is my advice to yeah, expecting definitely. Dads. Like you learn so much, you meet a new group of people, you're, you're being um, you're learning from a, a person who's been there before, Carmel, who had twins mm-hmm. herself. It's just invaluable, isn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. The swaddling, the nappies, the it, it might feel a bit silly at first. Yeah, yeah, but just go. Go for God's sake. Yeah. Um, the birth itself, I yes. understand it was pretty tough. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, because you hear all sorts of war stories, you know. About I, I had a, I actually had a girl bail me up just before we were due at um, at a party, and she was like, "Oh, I had the worst. It went for labour, went for two days, and it was." So she sort of scared me straight for what was to come. I was like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah. But um, yeah, we went. Because we had a couple, of, we had a bit of a false start. I was I was working at a market because um, I sell lamb at markets on weekends, and we um, and she's like, I think I'm going into labour, so I had to sort of get someone over to fill in for me, rush back, and then it all sort of quietened down. We were actually meant to go to a wedding that day, mm. and it um, anyway, we Ange was adamant that we we're going to go to this wedding, and I was like, we aren't going to this wedding. Like it's in the Blue Mountains. There's an hour drive away. One of our good friends, Remy, and um, mm. anyway, she was determined to go and I was timing the contractions and all the rest of it and we rang the hospital and I was like, no, 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 wait, 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 just time, time the contractions and see how it goes. And everything sort of slowed down, the contractions started to space out and anyway, we're all, we got in the car to drive to this wedding and we drove 10 minutes from home and the contractions started to heat up and then so we we canned it, and mm. which I was always happy to do because we live five minutes from the hospital. From so you're ready to go. go. You got your suit. Well, on. we had the suit not not on in the car. Oh right, I was like, I'm not putting it on. <laughs> and so then we got back, and and finally things sort of quietened down again. And then uh, Angie's water broke. About oh, actually, I sat down. Uh, Angie went to bed, and I had a whiskey. Yeah. And then right after I finished the whiskey, Angie said, oh, "I think my water's broke." We rang the <laughs> hospital, and. I only had the one whiskey. I was going to say, it wasn't yeah. a big one? <laughs> no, no, no. no. And, uh, and what then, sort of whiskey? Oh, it was a Japanese one. Oh, yeah, yeah. something good. Nice one. Um, yeah. yeah, quality. Good. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then we um, and then we went into the hospital and they were great, RPA. They were so good. Yeah. Got in there and the the, um, the uh, midwives, they're amazing. And we got in there and everything started to heat up, the contractions and it just, you're so helpless, as you know. You're yeah. sitting there and your wife's in pain and going through these contractions and all, all you can do is sort of hand a glass of water, really. Yeah. Can't really be much else of a hand. and um, Listen. But, yeah, listen and don't rub her back because nah. uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't a good thing to do either. Just <laughs> don't touch, just hand water. Just basically keep that water cup fixed. But, yeah, then went into – so it was pretty heavy labour and then Ange at the earliest possible had the epidural and that seemed to calm things down a little bit. And, and how are you going? Yeah, no, I was all, like... Were you calm? Oh, yeah, I was pretty calm because they said, you know, it's, it, people had told me in through the class, it's a long process. Mm. So, like, it's not going to... I mean, you do hear some women going in and it all happens in an hour, but... Like us. T- yeah, well, that, that was, yeah, so what was... Well, we, yeah, well, um, placental abruption. Yeah, okay. You know, as you know, twins are a high risk um, and everything was sweet leading up to the... The birth, like we were expecting to go in and make it all fine, and we're going to have our music and our, you know, nice relaxed time. But yep. no way. And as my cousin told me, it's whatever you expect, it's going to be the opposite, which it was. Mm. Um, she was having pains, um, contractions. Hospital said take some Panadol. 
Uh, looking back now, uh, that was that wasn't good. But um, so she took the Panadol. Pain got even worse. We're rushing to hospital. Um, we got there. The blood started. She yep. started passing. You know, yeah, a fair yeah, bit yeah. of blood, which was no good. Um, and our obstetrician was away. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. at a, down at the um, Australian Open no. tennis. <laughs> Handy. Handy. Pay, all, pay all that money. You see, <laughs> you, know, oh, you, you see them all the way along and then they're away at go time. I know. Yeah, yeah. It was Saturday night, midnight, you know. Um, it was pretty quiet and everywhere else. And so we got there, yeah, and just the looks on the, the registrar's faces and, oh, my God, you know, this isn't good. And I was, you know, we were terrified. Terrified, yeah. like what's going on here? Like mm-hmm. we then, then there was the danger we could lose one or both, yeah. and finally the the um, obstetrician made it. The standing, Jason Chow, legend, yeah, yeah. Um, and he just sort of took one look and went, "These kids got to come out tonight." Yeah, how many weeks? Right, yeah. thirty three and five days. Yeah, okay. yeah, we wanted to get to thirty seven. Yeah, because that's what twins. That's that's. The dream yeah, sort yeah. of time to have your twins, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when were yours? Yeah, I think we were around that. If we 37. 37 or 36 and 6 or something like that. Yeah, right. We were around that. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, – and then all of a sudden, yeah, I, I'm in getting my, you know, your, your, your scrubs on and in walked my a mate from school actually, oh, which yeah. was weird, yeah. the anaesthetist. And that was so nice to have him there just to kind of, you know, reassure me. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. JP, mate, how are you? Yeah. This is crazy. Um, just go and have a drink in there and I'll and – I'll, they didn't get me in to do the epidural. They saw the colour of my skin. Yeah. You know, which was just as white as these walls in here. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see that. But, yeah, came back in and then it was go time. Bonnie's on her back and then – by 2.30, what was it? Yeah, 2.25, they were born. Yeah, right. Yeah. Audrey came out and Evie next. Yeah. So, yeah, and take me to, to your moment. What- yeah, so so it sort of quietened down overnight and we, you know, I went and got a coffee, yeah. a sandwich and came back and it was all still pretty calm and then it started to heat up again at about maybe 11 o'clock on the morning. So we went in about 10.30 yep. Saturday night and then about 11 a.m. the next morning things started to heat up again. Still hadn't seen the obstetrician. It was just a midwife, but because they said just call the obstetrician at, at you know when she dilates so many centimeters or whatever it is, and um, yeah, and then start to sort of heat up, heat up, heat up, and then the obstetrician came in, and then there was a lot of push. It went for the, the natural birth. That's yeah, you wanted made. natural. Well, we we do whatever the, they'd say. Like yeah. try for a natural, and then if things you know um, shit hit the fan, so to speak, yeah. then we'd. Um, yeah, just just be guided by what the experts said. But anyway, so there was a lot of pushing. Ange, obviously, massive effort of anyone that's been in, you know, as most men out there will know, that's mm-hmm. just uh, unbelievable effort by any woman. So it's, yeah, and um, the pain they're going through on just the amount of effort. And anyway, so Felix popped out. Um, he popped out naturally and I was just amazed by sort of how big he was for one because I was like, how could he just came out of... Like two and a half kilos, yeah. and anyway, so he came out, and that was all great moment. It's a son because we didn't know the sex, so it was like, oh, it's a boy. How right. is this? This is great. And then things started to go south a bit. There was a lot of beeping. There was I could hear from our obstetrician. There's a bit of concern in her voice, though she was very extremely composed. Mm. But uh, like the temper, uh, the heart rate's going down. He, he's becoming distressed. So I don't know exactly what happened. Like there, was the, maybe the placenta was. Um, separating from the wall or 
there was yeah, yeah. something something going on anyway that wasn't quite right. And the next thing you know, it was like a ER, you know, seemed like eight or ten people appeared from nowhere. Shit. We've got to take it to theatre. Mm. And Angie explains it like it was all pretty – for her, it was not that stressful for her because they sort of – you know, they sort of took charge for everything, but they whisked her away and mm. said, you know, you can come and stand in the little waiting room. So I was there with Felix and then Angel's whisked away and it was the loneliest time of my whole life was sort of putting on scrubs and to go and stand. Not I couldn't go in there into the um, into the theatre, just had to wait in this little room where there was no one. Sort of couldn't call anyone, couldn't just this purgatory sitting there just wondering, all right, is my wife going to be all right? Is our second child going to be all right? Like that's all that sort of worry like you oh. you said I had that concern, you know, with where you just you, – your first thoughts, like I think I always thought that Andrew would be okay, but then you just think, you know, these, these small little beings, they're fragile and mm. what's going to happen. And then, um, yeah, it was, I don't know how long it felt like an eternity, but it was apparently like 12 minutes or something that she was in there and then they're like, no, it's all good, you got another boy. And Andrew's knocked out. <laughs> so you were so, outside? Yes, yeah, so I was outside. And then right. they just opened the door and like, yep, yep, it's all it all went well and they're just stitching her up and you know, the yeah. And um Yeah, and that was so it was another boy because I thought once we had one boy, I was like, oh it's gonna be one of each and then mm. have another boy and that was another surprise. So that sort of lightened the mood a little bit yeah. and I was a bit concerned about Ange. But yeah, she's in the hands of the professional, so that's all good. And then the boys both went to the the um, care unit to the yeah to the um, the NICU, and um, where they're you know putting the breathing apparatus. I mean, that's where it all got a little bit weird because Ange was sort of whisked away to um, to recovery because she mm. had high blood because she had preeclampsia and, and high blood pressure um, during the birth. So they had to sort of monitor her, and so I had to sort of sit around and wait for about. Um, eight or ten hours for Ange to get checked out and so she could meet um, Teddy because yeah. she hadn't met Teddy because she was knocked out. So of she, Yeah, so that was all a little bit weird, just sort of waiting up in the room because I couldn't go into into the recovery because I don't let anyone in there and it was all a bit a bit bizarre, but it all worked out well. About midnight that night or half past 12 when we were up in the the ward and they wheeled the boys in. And, oh, that yeah. was the moment. So that was the moment. Yeah, that was oh, great. Oh, mate. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, one natural, the other one C-section. Yeah, the other one C-section, yeah. So, Jeez, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah, so tough on Ange. Sort of when when we went through the course with Carmel, she was like, that's what you don't want to have. <laughs> that's what we were told too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but but Ange has bounced back pretty well, I think. She's, I see, yeah. Yeah. Have you bounced back pretty well? Oh yeah, not too bad. Like, it's pretty. Like, it's like it took a while f- for to hit me. I think because yeah. you're in like sitting in that. Like you're right. It, it is a purgatory waiting. Mm. Like I went in. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't in there for the epidural. But yeah, you're waiting in this room alone in the middle of the night, thinking, "What the hell is happening here?" Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was in there for when she had. You know, when they were taken out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny, like, I remember when after they'd both come out and, and the two people working on Bonnie, they were so relaxed. They were talking about Christmas with the in-laws. Yeah, yeah. Do you, it's funny you remember yeah. these things. Like, they were just like, oh, yeah, and, um, yeah, the in-laws came over for Christmas. Yeah, they weren't too bad. And I'm sort of there just terrified and, and, and trying to get over what had just happened. Yeah. And how, how did you deal with it in the days afterwards? It was just like a freight train, to be honest, because yeah. like, they brought the boys in and there's that great moment of, you know, Anne sort of, you know, she's crying from 
relief and joy, I think, and, and hugging the boys. And, and then, like, the midwives go, and they're like, and you're like, shit, um, they're not going to just leave us, are they? We don't, we've forgotten everything we've learned. What are we meant to do again? <laughs> it's going good so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for them to get older and um, yeah, meet each them. other. And, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. You, might, you might be telling the girls to stay away from Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even look at them. <laughs> right away. Stay right away. Uh, <laughs> but, mate, no, thank you so much for coming no, in thanks and, and sharing, sharing your experience. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's really great. There he is, Dan Reed, And I've got to say, it was just so nice to talk to someone who's been through pretty much the same thing as us. And, and knowing I'm not alone and having come through something so frightening, yet just so incredible, life-changing, life-happening right in front of us, taking their very first breaths. Just so, so very special indeed. So thank you, Dan, for coming and uh, making some time for us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. My next guest is the rarest of beasts, a male midwife. Yep, a male midwife. They do exist. Dr. Donovan Jones is a midwife and lecturer at the University of Newcastle. We chatted for over an hour and a half over the internet. He was speaking to me from Port Macquarie at the time while I was on the road for Sunday night, and he was just a wealth of information, just had invaluable advice. Like I said, I was on the road, so this recording was done from a hotel room and with very little sleep, which is why my mic was facing backwards when we recorded this. You'd think I'd know by now, wouldn't you? Anyway, it sounds okay, and uh, apologies for the, the technical difficulty, as we say in the game, but Donovan is just amazing. And look, I started by asking him about some of the options for our partners giving birth, and it's something my wife and I talked about many, many times. What's safest? What's best for baby? What's best for mum? Should they always give birth in a hospital or not? And are water births a good way to go? Here's Donovan. Look, I think I think I so being a um, so um, as a midwife at heart, the right choice is the woman's choice. That is it. That is our job. We are the advocates for the women. If the women choose a particular way of birth, then we've got to support that. Mm-hmm. So we know that cesarean section is not ideal. Cesarean section is on the rise. It has a lot of um, 
implications in not turning on the right cascade of normal hormonal responses, both within the woman and the child during birth. But if the woman has a valid reason, then that reason's valid because at the end of the day, this is her birth. Now, what's really interesting around pregnancy, and I always always amaze myself at this when I stop to think about it, if you go to hospital, if you say to a friend, I'm going to hospital, usually the comeback is, what's wrong? Mm. There's nothing wrong with pregnancy. It's a normal physiological response. Women are not unwell. So why are we sending them to hospital? We send them to hospital because we're worried about risk and the ability to identify things that are not normal. But I think if a woman is low risk and she wants to have a water birth, absolutely. Um, quite often water birth is used with home birthing as well. Yeah. It really comes down to making sure that the woman's made that choice. What's really interesting, and maybe we need to strip those gears back a little bit to get to the sort of the, the, the crux of the motor that runs everything. We don't teach young women and young men um, or young teenagers about the importance of, of birth and parenting and what that may or may not be like because if you think about it you take a young woman today so let's say say a young woman at the age of 20 the only stuff she would have really seen that would show her what it's like to be a birthing mum is television and television has apart from a few of the reality shows that capture these things from time to time really do show it as something to be feared and not something to be embraced Um, You know, you and I would both know, you can imagine it now, there's a woman screaming, there's huffing and puffing, there's blood, there's dad passing out on the floor, and that's not the case. People say there's, there's, I mean, obviously things are changing with with the the gender movement around the world, but I always laugh when I say to the students, the reason they used to never let women go to war is because they would have won. There would have been one war and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> but there's stuff, there's stuff that women can go through and still maintain to be the mothers that they are is, mm. is nothing short of amazing. And I think it's time for dads to actually become a part of that, whether it's through support yeah. um, or whether it's just understanding what's that, what that's like. I mean, dads don't realise, and quite often a lot of young men today think that, well, my partner's pregnant, but I'm not. So it's a bit of a change for me, but I'll be okay. It's a massive change. It's huge. Massive, massive dramatic change. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you use the word amazing. Yeah, that's it's so true. Just that's right. And there's no holiday at the end. It's not like where you no. do all this work and you get a few weeks off. It's like you do all this work and you're doing a lot more work for the rest of your life. Like it's, it's on. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a new level to a, a game, you know? <laughs> true. Like there's no going back. You're at the next level, so you've got to keep moving forward. That's right. People keep saying it gets easier. I'm like, uh, don't know about that. It's just the next challenge. Now, we were down for private at Randwick, yep. um, the Royal Hospital for Women. Um, but because they came early, we went into public. Yep. Um, and public was fine. But uh, um, what, what do you reckon, private or public? Unless you've got a reason for it, it's almost like an expense that perhaps you don't need. And yeah. one of the things that I do tell women when they go, well, okay, but, you know, I think that I will get, you know, more better care or whatever the case may be. Whereas I can quite easily let them know that if things do go pear-shaped, you are going to end up in the public system because the public system has better equipment and they have more specialist obstetricians at their call mm. than we have in a private system regardless. Um, now, the other thing is too, and I mean this with absolute respect, this is really important, the private system 
primarily is there to make money. It is there as they have shareholders, they have they are established as companies, so they have a different direction. Doesn't mean that they're bad. It just they they are different beast. Whereas a public system is there to deliver a service. But at the end yeah. of the day, that's at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. One's a service, and one's a business. Yeah, and as I said, the public was fine. You know, they were yeah. they were really good. Um, and and we were very lucky to have the the treatment that we did. Um, stereotypically, Dom, um, uh, yeah, are blokes are they are they useless? Like, I I felt pretty useless. When I went in no, to no, absolutely not. I think, I think. Look, I've seen, I've seen all different, all different ends of the spectrum. I've seen dads where it's just easy to put the footy on the TV and just let them zone out, mm. and I've seen other dads that has, you know, I've we've we've been able to establish a good strong relationship, and I've said, look, do you want to be the first person to touch your child? You can help your wife birth this child, and they go, really, yeah, absolutely, up you get. And to see that happen, so it depends on. But sometimes too, dads don't know what they can or can't do. Um, and we also get to that point where that you know we don't want to ask that foolish question or that silly question. So I think it's being able to give dads that opportunity to become fully involved. Mm. Um, and but we need to explore again. What do dads want? Like how involved do they? I mean, if a dad doesn't want to be involved and it's just it's too icky. And look, I don't. I don't want to be the cause of dads getting post-traumatic stress or anything like that. So, it's, but they need to be really understanding of what it is that they they're, they're going to be able to handle in 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 these particular circumstances. So it's you know quite often if dads just go, you look, I'm I'm going to be useless. There's not much I can do but sit there and give some words of encouragement. Well, that's okay. But then let's talk to dads about the words of encouragement that they can bring. Uh, and all those other things that they can get involved with. Um, you said PTSD there. Is that a thing? Do, 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 can blokes get PTSD from? Absolutely, yeah. Look, absolutely. I mean, okay. Look, let, let, let's let's just reflect for a little bit on perhaps on on the birth of your twins. You will have seen a lot of stuff happen very quickly yes. with minimal explanation, other than we're doing this because this has to happen because of X, Y, and Z. And then really what you become, you become the observer. Now, being able to observe everything, that's great. But if someone doesn't actually come to you later, and I don't mean after your babies are born, I mean a week later, and actually sit down and spend some quality time with you going, how did you feel and what did you understand about what we did? Yeah. Now, we need to explain those things in such a way that, Dads and mums understand what actually transpired. So let's take something really simple like postpartum hemorrhage, okay, so the loss of blood. And even the, the fact that your partner had some placenta preview, had already started losing blood, she, she would have had a very low HB at some stage post-birth, okay, in that postnatal stage. At any stage, did somebody sit down to you and explain that if you lose so much blood, the red blood cells that carry oxygen are absolutely vital in mum feeling better and recovering faster. And as a result of that too, in the hormonal shift, mum might start to feel a little bit down and might start to struggle with what happens. And then how does the partner support mum while she's going through it? We don't. We just go, look, you've lost a bit of blood. We're going to give you some more blood and everything will be okay. And we're not explaining. Like We, we, we sort of dance around the fluffy stuff and we don't get to, and I think for dads it's really important because as guys we're very pragmatic in how we see things. Yeah. 
Yeah. When you can see those things link up, it's important. So when that gets back to post-traumatic uh, stress, is if you have a birth room and something goes wrong, and I've seen a lot of things happen where they go wrong, dad gets shoved into the corner, he becomes the observer, he sees all this stuff transpire, but nobody ever talks to him about it again. True. Other, other than, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. You want to see me? sweet. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> You know, no, you're talking, uh, Donovan, absolutely. That, that was kind of me. They were like, oh, you yeah. okay? You know, that, no one really explained anything. Um, no. You know, really afterwards either um, because, you know, they obviously both wished up to um, NICU. Um, yep. Yeah, in intensive care. Yeah, no, intensive. yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, and it was just a complete, you know, blur really. And poor Bonnie, my wife, wasn't able to sort of hold them because they were straight into no, the NICU. No, everyone gets separated, don't they? they, they yeah. Don't from theatre and you follow them and mum ends up off in recovery and hopefully somewhere you'll all meet again. Oh, jeez. And dad's yeah. are walking around just bewildered going, what do what? I do? I know. So how, how do we prepare ourselves for, for those situations in, in the weeks and months beforehand? How do we, I don't know, pre- prepare for the unexpected? Because my cousin said to me, mate, whatever you expect, it's going to be the opposite. And he was dead right. I think what I think perhaps what we need to be doing with dads, if we get some time, we get the ability to spend time with them um, in that prenatal period, is just that. Going, look, you, even though this is this is the way you want things to go, be flexible because life doesn't happen to you; it happens for you. But it might not always happen the way you want it to happen. But be flexible because on the day things might change a little bit. And I think we need to get that dads to understand that. There are various ways a birth can go, and that's probably one of the things I, I love about midwifery. It really is a great um, example of life. I mean, things still usually work out really well, but how you get there is not normally the plan that you and your partner had. It's not like, you know, we're going to drive from here to here, here to get to there. It's almost like you take every backtrack to get there. Oh, my God. It, it was funny, like, when we did our twin classes, like, yeah, you know, when you can bring your music in and you can put it on, your, you know, the iPod and you can play some nice classical music and, and you know, you can bring some pillows. You can And, and that could not have been further from our experience, as I said no, to you. you that's know, right. Br- Absolutely. Bringing her in, there's blood, there's bloody, yep. you know, um, people looking at all these weird looks going, holy shit, there's too much blood, we've got to get the midwife in. It was just a complete um, debacle. But, yeah, uh, and even yeah. that flexibility to, for, for dads, when that happens, for someone, for dads to be able to talk to you, to go, look, I yeah. don't know what's going on. Like, what's really going on? Yeah, and you've got every right to ask that question, don't you? Yep, and we and dads and people don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, birth suite versus home delivery. Okay, pros and cons, I suppose. Pros and cons. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think pros and cons are important. Mm. Um, look, I think home births are absolutely the the pinnacle of what we should be aiming for. Um, I think you know, I mean, women have been doing this for millions and millions of years. Um, although I know I say the although, we need to make sure that the midwife is is fully you know has all the qualifications and the track record for actually doing safe home births that she's linked in very strongly with a a hospital that can support the birth if something goes wrong and an obstetrician as well so again this is one thing that's really important and and it's really important that all the listeners understand this is midwifery is not a a standalone practice and you would have seen this with the birth that unfolded um, for you and your partner it is a whole team it's a collective group Um, so I've got absolutely no problems with a home birth as long as that collective group of health professionals are all on the same page and that the ability to escalate so look 
I don't believe home births are something that should be done out the back of whoop whoop if there's no way to escalate it. Birth suite, same sort of thing. Some of them look like a, just a room. They've got a nice bath in the corner. All the bits and bobs are hidden behind the drawers and stuff. So it looks a little bit more like a motel room. The really good thing is, though, it's in the hospital. The ability to escalate is there, and it's a pretty safe way to do things. So it just comes down to what the couple, what mum and dad, and more so really what mum wants. Yeah, what mum wants. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, when do we come to hospital, Donovan? Like, you know, what reasons? Why? When should we come in? Absolutely. So this is, okay, so I might get in trouble for saying this, but I'm just going to go out and say it. Look, at the end of the day, I say to all the women that I've ever looked after, if you've got a problem and you ring us at 3 o'clock in the morning and we say, oh, no, just do this, and you're not happy, hop in the car and come in. It's that simple. It really is. I would rather have, I'd rather be put out for something simple than have to deal with something that was quite horrific. Now, again, getting back to that earlier comment, women know their bodies better than we do. So if somebody was actually to ring me up and say, look, Don, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I've been feeling a bit off. and I've, I've been sitting down, haven't felt the baby move. I would say straight away, come and see us. Yeah, great advice. Even if it's a Saturday night like, like us. It doesn't matter. Yep, doesn't just matter. Rest. That's what we're here. If a woman has a problem, we want to know about it. If dad's got a problem, we want to know about it. If dad's concerned about mum, we want to know about it. Dads spend more time with mothers than midwives do. So if dad's got a concern, I would be very concerned. Geez, you follow good advice, Donovan. This is great. And with the labour, just what is labour? There's various stages of labour. So labour is basically the contractions of the uterus. I mean, we say, you know, for a woman to be in established labour, um, that has to be, you know, at least, you know, three con- three contractions over um, a particular time frame. Um, and then those, those contractions have to last for a particular time frame as well. But then with that said, and this is really important, I've seen and worked with a number of birthing women where they've had none of those symptoms and they've still gone on to birth a baby, totally unaware. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, sometimes these hard and fast rules that we go, if it's not this, it's not established labour. That's where it comes back to you really need to listen to what the woman's saying. There's a difference between labour, early labour, established labour. If you go, we talk established labour, so, so this, this three contractions, three and ten, you know, lasting lasting at least a minute in length, those sorts of things when labour's really started. Going into labour would almost be equivalent to me hopping in the car and getting you to run in front of the car for 20 kilometres without stopping. Like it's such an enormous strain on on the body in a physiological and emotional aspect. So we don't want the woman becoming exhausted and we don't want the baby to become exhausted because if that happens, then we do intervene and that's when things can start to turn a little bit nasty. So the idea is is once that labour is established and we're certain that 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 is established, um, then we sort of start them on what we call that this Friedman's curve where we go, look, if we haven't got something, we haven't got the baby, we don't have um, significant progression by this time, then the medical team will start to think about an intervention to keep mum safe. Which is C-section? Yeah, it could be C-section. What they might do is they might re-examine and they might have to do, you know, if it depends on, again, there's no hard and fast rule. It depends what's going on in that particular birth. Look, if I could give you, if I could give any woman one piece of advice and and a dad about the best thing to do in labour, move, move and move. Every time a woman moves, it changes the baby's um, uh, application to the to the pelvis and the cervix, 
And every time they move, it helps that baby move around. So if you imagine, for instance, if you had to, here's a really great way. It's a little bit, it's a little bit gross, but if you had to go to the toilet number two standing up, kind of hard to get it all out. Whereas when you sit down on the toilet, you open your pelvis up, everything's easy. So it's the same thing. Birthing in that lithotomy or that, that on a bed is not an ideal way for a woman to birth. They need to move around. Don't stay still. Don't stay still. What about during labour? What, what do we do? What, what's, what's dad do? Just, you know, you talk to your partner, give her a massage? Um, Absolutely. Look, everything from, everything from becoming the runner, okay, ice chips, Mars bars, whatever, whatever mum wants you get, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. The other thing too is share the excitement, share the, 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 the fact that you're a little bit scared as well. Like really open up those those dialogues of communication. I think they're really important. Um, you know, it always makes me smile when I can when I can see mum and dad and they're talking. They go, "Oh my god, I don't believe we're going to be parents. How crazy is this?" Like you see that, and I want to encourage that. I want to encourage that exploration of vulnerability and un, and that unknowingness of what's about to transpire, and already starting to worry about what we're going to be like as parents and all those sorts of things. Um, but then. Dads can support mum in moving, so whether it be being something, someone to lean on, they can help them with really simple things, especially if the things like mum wants to use a lot of water, so shower. Um, the shower is really good during labour, um, during the early stages in helping with some of the pain. Um, and the other really cool thing is too is mums can actually use dads as a conduit to actually ask these questions. Perhaps they don't want to quite ask the midwife yet. As well, like I'm not really sure about this or I'm not really sure about that. You know, apart from actually birthing the baby, dads are in on it 100%. Well, that's right. I think that's important to note too, is it? You're worth it. You're there. You're part of it. Don't think that you've just got to stand in the corner and not say anything. Yeah. I actually don't. And that, this is really important. This is <laughs> might some people might like this or some people might not. But women are going to do this regardless. Hmm. They're going to birth their baby. They know what they're doing, even if they don't think they know. Does that make sense? Those yeah. those those instincts kick in, mm. and we get to be there to help them get through that. We do not do anything special other than just be with the woman, and that's what midwifery is. It's with woman. So mm. what we want dads to do is be with mum in whatever shape or form you feel that that needs to be. Like I've, I've never walked out of a birth and gone, that dad was useless and that dad was good. Yeah. Just dads, they're doing the best they can with what they've got. I guess we should get to the the actual birth itself. Epidurals. I, I actually wasn't allowed in when when Bonnie had her epidural because I was judged to be as white as the sheets on the bed at the time. Um, yep. And I'm pretty. I'm sort of glad I wasn't there for it, but because it involves, as I understand, a, a rather large needle. It um, does into the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just tell us what it is. Yeah, so an epidural is um, basically uh, anesthesia into the epidural space, um, and the idea is, is that it numbs certain nerves, um, which is which reduces the, um, the the pain that's usually associated with childbirth and or for um, operative birth as well. Um, it's it's usually straightforward, like anything. It comes with um, a number of risks. 
But there's lots of forms of pain relief. Now, what we tend to do in Western society, as soon as we think of pain relief, we think of pharmacological pain relief and using drugs. And there's lots of others. There's everything from reflexology, massage, there's meditation, there's movement, there's use of water. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are quite important. And then there's things such as uh, sterile water injections. So they're um, dermal injections done just under the skin. Yep. Um, and they, they work quite well. And what they do is disrupt the pain pathway. Yep. Then you get into um, you, you have pharmacological pain relief. So you're looking at things such as nitrous. So nitrous oxide works really well. That's the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got things such as um, we look at uh, our morphine. So, you know, using something like uh, subcutaneous morphine. Morphine works quite well. The only problem with morphine, though, is it does have um, people do get reactions to it sometimes, um, which can you know, increase things like nausea and vomiting. Um, But what the other concern is, is if the baby's born within a short period of time of the drug being administered, the babies can be a little bit lethargic and wanting to breathe and they might require a little bit of help. I've never seen that be a a major problem, but it's something that we need to be aware of. And then we have, you know, again, that, that the big bad boy on the shelf, which is the epidural. Um, So what I usually recommend when people talk about pain relief is, They're all there. Keep all your options open and use them as you need them. So rather than go straight to the top shelf, start at the bottom because you might find along the way something works particularly well for you. Um, And if you don't, then we go to that next thing. Um, So it's important that women know that those options are there and that at any time they can change their minds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, is there any point worrying? Look, worrying is about as effective as chewing bubblegum to solve an algebra equation. So it really doesn't do us much good at all, but we do it instinctively. It's what we do. I think probably what we should be doing is as, as dads, as mums, as parents in, in, you know, in and around birth, if we are worried, we need to be talking to people about it. So if it's enough for you to worry, it's real. If you really feel that this is a concern, then you are actually concerned about something that you, that may be silly. You need to talk to somebody so that we can get that, we can come to some sort of resolution as to whether or not you should be worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, being worried is, is a normal thing that we do, but we need to be able to come to terms with what it is that we're worried about and talk to people about it. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of gore, isn't there, um, during, after the birth. There's a lot of liquid, lots of... Yeah, there's um, a lot of substances. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What 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 are those? Um. So obviously you'll have blood is is one of the things. Uh, amniotic fluid is another as well. Yeah. So um, and there might be a bit of wee and a bit of poo. Yeah. Um. But the, again, it comes back to this. This is normal. These are things yeah. that you know. Um. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Good. And so episiotomy. Um. Be ready for that too, right? Um, look back, uh, you know, 20, 20, 30 years ago, they were done routinely um, and that should have never been a case ever. So, look, and I would say this as a midwife to any midwife or obstetrician, if you do something, have a damn bloody good reason as to why you've done it. Um, however, you know, again, um, mums and dads, their partners need to be prepared that, and they need to be taught. If, they, if, they're, if they're scared about this and they have every right to be, um, they need to be talking to their midwife and their maternity care provider straight off the bat. All right. Um, cutting the cord, we're allowed to do that, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Oh, look, I think every every parent, mum, dad, should be, you know, if that's what they would like to do. We need to actually, and it's quite interesting you say that, we need to make sure that um, dad, 
the partner's comfortable with it mm. as well because it's, you know, the cord's quite tough. Um, scissors are quite blunt and it takes a bit of force to cut those cords. So generally, uh, generally what would happen is, you know, in my experience is that scissors are just handed to dad and it's expected. But I think we should be talking to dads whether, you know, what what's the significance is doing that firstly um, and do they really want to do it? Like it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. I mean, why don't we let mum do it? Some of the things are just traditional and we just assume that, that because it's been done like that, it's the right way to do it. Um, look, Donovan, I think that's all we've got time for, my friend. Thanks so much for talking to us, mate. We really appreciate it and uh, being on Being Dad. Nah, love what you guys are doing. It's fantastic. What a gold mine of info. And uh, you'd be happy if you had him as a midwife, wouldn't you? HB, by the way, if you were wondering what Don was talking about there, is hemoglobin. HB, hemoglobin. And I think the takeaway here is take a leaf out of the Boy Scouts motto and be prepared. If you can, get involved in the classes and really read up on what to expect and what questions to ask. Don't be afraid to ask questions, even if they're silly. They're probably not silly. They're all questions. They're all important. Talk to other dads too who have been through this already and, and find out how they managed. It's um, It really helps doing that. In our show notes and on our Being Dad with Alex Cullen Facebook page, we'll find links to some great resources, including a great site that Donovan told me about called birthingforblokes.com. That's the number four in the middle there. So birthingforblokes.com by a fellow male midwife called Mark Harris. I hope you enjoyed this week's show as much as Jake and I enjoyed putting it together. And i got to say, I really wish that I had this kind of resource when I was expecting. It's just invaluable. Fantastic. And thank you to both Dan and Donovan for being a part of it, making time for us. If you haven't already, please check out our previous shows where we deal with depression and anxiety after childbirth, dealing with divorce and separation, as well as talking to celebrity chef Colin Fastnitch about raising his two wonderful girls. He's the bloke, you know him, My Kitchen Rules fame, that very famous chef. Have a listen. It's great. Please subscribe to Being Dad on Acast, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like Being Dad with Alex Cullen on Facebook and rate and review us, please. Oh, and share, share, share. Thank you. And see you next time. This was a Seven West production. The producer is Jake Taylor, and the executive producer is Nikki Hamilton. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.